Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Um, we are going to jump right into the show today. We're going to be talking about gold, which, you know, a lot of people have kind of written off and not interested. And it's really kind of strange to me. And we're going to unpack all that. But before we do, we're going to hit the show sponsors. We're going to be right back and then we'll dive in. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. You've heard me talk about the opportunity in urgent care. So VetCheck believes in the power of your capacity to influence your patients, patient families, and be a leader in your community. How they do this is by giving you the freedom to take ownership of your future to make the biggest impact in your patients' lives. They equip you with a turnkey opportunity to take action on the dream through a unique pathway to owning your own VetCheck Pet Urgent Care Center franchise. They provide a solution to remove obstacles like competing against corporate dollars in the community that you want to be in and having access to hospital ownership, medical directorship, and more. Also, you become a partner along the journey. A vet check pet urgent care center franchise is the answer. If you're interested, check out episode number 80, where I talked to Dr. Siva and he shares more about his story and the opportunity. So if this sounds like something that's interesting to you, reach out and learn how you can own your own vet check pet urgent care center franchise today by visiting vetcheckforpets.com, which again is vetcheckforpets.com. All right, welcome back. So one thing that's always been perplexing to me is the lack of understanding of gold by people, especially my peers in the financial advisory world. Gold has been the best form of money until Bitcoin the world has ever seen. The reason is it takes work to extract it from the earth and it's rare, right? Like things that have value. Um, think about the easiest example, Manhattan real estate is valuable, but is Manhattan, Kansas and Manhattan, New York different? And the answer is yes, because one is harder to acquire than the other. So you cannot create more gold um, from thin air without having it or send it to someone, right? Like it is physical. And I think that's something that's really interesting. We live in a credit-based economy. So today, every dollar that's in the bank, there's $10 out in circulation. So we are in what's called a fractional reserve system, meaning that if everyone went to withdraw their funds, um, sorry, they're not all there. And JP Morgan, way back in the day in the panic of 1873, said gold is money, everything else is credit. There's a ton of truth to that. We used to live in a gold standard where paper notes were simply warehouse receipts for physical gold. The receipts then became redeemable for less and less and less gold. So what happened? Well, what they started to do is say, hey, we have a lot of this gold. Not everyone's redeeming it. So we're going to be giving out more receipts than the actual gold that's backing it and thus started the fractional reserve system we live in today. In 1971, Richard Nixon closed the gold window and officially ended the gold backing. So now when you hear the term fiat currency, it just means backed by truly nothing. Fun fact, since August 5th, 1971, which is when Nixon gave that uh, talk, which was, you know, 10 days ago as of the recording of this. So it's kind of interesting to, to think about the timing of uh, the, the conversation. In the delinking of the U.S. gold convertibility or the U.S. dollar convertibility to gold, gold has actually outperformed the stock market on a price return basis. So note, gold doesn't pay dividends. Um, the S&P does. It's not including dividends. So I think it's a little bit important to understand with dividends S&P is going to outperform, but gold's done really well. And we're going to unpack that a little bit later on in the investment section of this. Today, like all currencies, um, they're all backed by the full faith and credit of the nation state. For us, the dollar is backed by the government, the economy, the military. 
uh, of the US. And I'm gonna keep this higher level, but if you wanna peel back the onion here and uh, dig in, you'll see that when it comes to fiat currency and the credit-based system today, that we have, you likely are gonna be appalled. And I think that's something that I've tried to include in the show at times and talking about Bitcoin. And we'll talk about it a little bit with gold. And I think that it's important for people to understand the question, which is what is money, right? And so gold has been money for years and years and years. So gold, unlike credit, is not a dependent on a third party coming through. Gold is physical, while credit is essentially a promise. Gold can never default. Credit is only as good as the character of the borrower. The idea is if you hold gold, the world can be collapsing and you don't need to worry about a damn thing because you have gold in your possession. I'll stress that I'm not a gold bug. I'm not someone that thinks, you know, gold is the end all be all. But if you do hold gold in any size, please hold it physically and not through an investment fund or ETF. Yes, gold is harder to acquire because you need to go to a gold dealer. You're going to pay a markup and there's going to be some challenges with actually getting physical gold. And if someone wanted to do it in size, there would be certain things. But for the vast majority of us listening, you know, we're not going to go out and buy you know, a couple million dollars worth of physical gold, but you do need to expect that getting physical gold, it's going to be a little bit of a process. It's a little bit difficult. You need to understand how to secure it and, you know, have a safe, like all that stuff. Right. So again, I'm not going to make this into a Bitcoin conversation, but there's reasons why, um, to me, Bitcoin is, uh, an improvement on gold in a lot of different ways. So I'm also not going to dive into some of the issues with what's called like paper gold. So like if you own it in the ETF and the ETF says, Hey, this is tracking the price of gold maybe they don't actually own the physical gold. So there are some issues with that. And there have actually been recent reports with a large trading firm, <laughs> cough, cough, JP Morgan Chase, um, actually getting sued for doing things that are um, illegal and basically spoofing and manipulating the price using non-physical markets like derivatives to suppress the price. This is absolutely an issue, but it doesn't take away the merits of owning gold. So the gold supply is increased by about one and a half percent annually, which makes its stock to flow 62. You might be asking what the heck 62. Um, we'll touch on that here in a second. But what it does is it makes it the hardest, scarcest asset out there. Caveat, Bitcoin will be more scarce at the 2024 halving. But the uh, too long didn't read or TLDR on gold is it takes 62 years to double the supply, which is the idea of that stock to flow of 62. Um, in context, just to give you an idea, dollars in circulation have doubled over the last eight years when looking at M2 money supply, and that's only speeding up. So you think 62 years versus eight, hmm, this thing probably holds its value a little bit better. So one is scarce, which is gold, and the other one will be created at will whenever it's convenient. Again, there's nothing backing the dollar, so it's just there's no work to create more units. And I think that is something that will continue to be a theme this decade, which I'm trying to get out in front of and, and help you think about this, right? You don't necessarily need to agree with my take on anything, but you need to understand the idea of like, what is the current system? You work really hard at going to work and doing the best that you can and serving the communities and the, you know, pet parents and pets themselves. So the, the challenge is, you know, where and how do you want to store the wealth that you create? Fun fact, if you're at, you know, bar trivia at some point or um, in a social circle and people are talking about gold, all the gold's uh, supply in, in the entire world that's been mined could fit in three and a half Olympic size pools. So there's just over 200,000 tons of gold in circulation and about 53,000 tons of gold that has been identified for extraction. So in full transparency, almost all the arguments for gold can be made for Bitcoin and Bitcoin comes overcomes actually a lot of the shortcomings of gold. I do, however, believe that there's a fundamental understanding of gold helps you understand Bitcoin and you can own both, which is magic, right? Like you don't have to have an all or nothing stance, which is 
really, really interesting. And um, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, somebody that I know that owns both that I'm sure is listening because he um, likes both. Um, Dan, appreciate you and has been a fun conversation talking about gold and Bitcoin and other things. And the idea when you hear people say hard assets, and I've said that a lot on this podcast before, hard assets, both Bitcoin and gold are hard assets. And gold's use case, if you want to break it down of like, okay, where does gold go? How is it used today? 55% in jewelry. And again, some of that's cultural. So you'll have different cultures that will use a lot more gold for jewelry, given at weddings um, and, and so on. 25% is investment. 12% is held by central banks. China and Russia have been aggressively stockpiling gold since about 2015, 2016. And then 8% is used in technology. And there's a great um, chart and deeper dive from Statista that I'll add in the show notes. You can click. It's a great visual. And there's some other good visuals in the show notes. So please check those out. I think they'll be helpful. Central banks have held gold for decades as a backing for most currencies, even if you can't convert it as a citizen for gold. So there's a reason for that. And I think, you know, there's merit to why gold makes sense. So from an investment standpoint, why own gold? Back to JP Morgan's quote, back in the day, gold, when physically held, has no counterparty risk. And I think that's really, really important. You don't have to worry about someone else, you know, holding true to their promises. You don't have to trust anyone. And it's a stay rich asset, not a get rich asset. So in Roman times, you know, Isaiah here with my ounce of gold could buy a nice tunic, 1970s, a nice suit. Today, same thing, nice suit for an ounce of gold. Better example, maybe um, more universal for everyone, a house in uh, 1900 costs $5,000. Seems like a pretty good deal. Or 250 ounces of gold. Today, it's $360,000, so the median existing home, and that's 201 ounces of gold. So that's pretty cool, right? Like it's again, stay rich, not get rich. Gold has been the ultimate store of value historically. And again, it's a great way to say, this is wealth that I've created. I want to store it somewhere. Now to my peers in the financial advisory community will often claim that gold bugs or anyone that likes gold is crazy conspiracy theorist. And trust me, there are absolutely those folks that are out there that love gold and think the gold standard is coming back. I do not think we are ever going back to a gold standard. So that doesn't mean that when I say gold is money, um, that I think we're going to get back to where we transact in gold coins. Like that's never coming back, but that does not mean there's no merit to owning gold. One underappreciated tenant of gold, the case for gold is that there is this minuscule interest rate and has opened the door for the metal to serve by process of elimination as a portfolio risk diversifier. Bonds have historically been the diversifier to stocks yet with low and now rising interest rates plus inflation, they've been actually a terrible complement to stocks. And let's actually jump into the numbers because I think this will blow a lot of people's mind. And this is my challenge again, for a lot of people that use robo investors or robo advisors, it is stocks and bonds. And they're going to put a lot of different ETFs or funds that are around the world, but a lot of times they don't have any gold. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering like, why, why not? And again, so GLD, which is the oldest, longest running gold ETF. Reminder, if you're going to own gold in any size, please buy the physical asset. Um, let's look at the returns and how it might play in a portfolio. Since its launch in 2004, GLD has annualized 7.79%. The U.S. aggregate bond index over the same period, 2.29. Versus the long-dated U.S. Treasury bond, so you know 20 years or longer, which has historically been a little bit better returning, 4.81%. So gold is absolutely, and this is just in the ETF, absolutely smoked both bonds, both kind of aggregate bonds, which is what most people see in their 401k, and then long-dated U.S. Treasury bonds, which have usually done really well in periods of stress, so like 2008, COVID crash, like other things, but with rising interest rates, U.S. Treasury bonds get long-dated, especially get really, really crunched. So gold is uncorrelated with both stocks and bonds, so you can actually own all three, which is great, right? Like you can add it, and it is an additive, not anything that is going to be duplicative from exposure. So think about it there as something that you can add. 
in the worst periods of history, it's performed really well. So it was plus almost 5% in 2008 when the stock market was obviously down quite a bit. 2020, it was up 24.81%. And it was actually up Q1 3.6% when everything else looked like it was going to hell in a handbasket. So the idea of a 60-40 portfolio, stocks and bonds, versus a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio, or sorry, 60% stock, 40% gold portfolio is actually an interesting thing that I wanted to run, and I hadn't done this in a while. But just to look at it, let's see what the uh, results say. So if I run it from the beginning of 20, or sorry, 2005, the gold stock portfolio, 400%, the stock bond portfolio, 248%, and the gold portfolio actually has a lower max drawdown by about 1%. So it's equally the same. So the risk perspectives are about the same. But if you look at the risk return ratios of all these different metrics they can look at, significantly higher in the stock and gold portfolio. So my question is, why don't more people advocate for stocks and gold? I get it. You want to own equities, equities long-term give you good returns. Why don't we hear more people say stocks and gold? Because they're, again, a good natural complement as well. And it's interesting, right? Like you have to question that. Why? Why is it? that that is the the case. I don't have a good answer for you at the moment. And I think part of it is the bond market is so massive and so huge, it's easier to put a lot more money there. That's my kind of off the cuff thought at the moment. The other thing is if you look at that blend, so 60% stocks, 40% gold, it actually provides the almost exact same return as the S&P 500 since 2005 within 7% of the total return over those 17 years but cuts the worst drawdown from 55 to 35. So that's really impressive. So again, risk, reward, all those metrics look much better for the blend versus just owning the S&P 500. So I'll go back and I've had plenty of conversations. Why don't I own just stocks and bonds? Well, the math tells you that it doesn't work that way. So there are things that you can add that actually make your portfolio better and more robust over time. So again, what you could do is you could look at, okay, I just want to own stocks, bonds, and gold, and you can blend it out and say, okay, where's my kind of max pain threshold and how much should I own of each? I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't own X, Y, and Z, right? Like, But I would say gold probably deserves a little bit more merit than what it's getting at the moment. One of my favorite deep dives into portfolio construction was done by Chris Cole of Artemis Capital called the Dragon Portfolio. And his goal was to build a portfolio that would last 100 years in the face of any environment. And he had a gold weighting of 19% in the portfolio. Hedge fund guru and the creator of the risk parity strategy, Ray Dalio, has a 7.5% weighting to gold. Legendary hedge fund manager Stanley Druckenmiller stated in 2022, if you believe that we are going to be in a irresponsible monetary policy and inflation going forward, he explained that adding that if it's in a bull phase, you want to own Bitcoin. In contrast, if it's in a bear phase, for any other asset, you want to own gold. And in November 2020, he stated, frankly, if the gold bet works, the Bitcoin bet will probably work better. So Stanley Druckenmiller, famous investor, legend, and he owns both gold and Bitcoin. Again, you can own both. You don't have to pick just one. So what do you do with this newfound appreciation of gold? That's up to you. Don't let people tell you that gold is you know, some barbarous relic. It doesn't have any value from an investment standpoint. It absolutely does, and it's shown that, especially if we move into more inflation, more monetary debasement, more units being created. And I think they probably don't understand money at the um, core concept. Um, and historically, gold's been the player in the monetary system for way more time than the fiat currency system has. So it's a store of value. If you own it physically, it's great insurance against new dollar creation that is diluting your savings. It's also been a great oh crap protection in some of the scariest times of financial markets and does well in inflation. So to me, the timing and understanding of you know what gold does, 
yeah, it, it's time to look at it and understand it a little bit better. So I hope this was helpful. I hope it leads you to dig in a little bit more into what is gold. And uh, for that, thanks for listening. Hope you learned something. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.